Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. At Leia Healthcare, we always want to give our members more. So now you get unrestricted access to a world of benefits that will help you stay healthy. From convenient video calls with a GP to get prescriptions online, to easy access to experts when you finally want to do something about your ropey knee or dodgy back. And if you do need to see someone urgently, our clinics are available for minor injuries, all without you needing to put your hand in your pocket. Let's stay on top of your health, in every way. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Insurance provided by Ellipse Insurance Limited Trading as Leia Healthcare. Leia Healthcare Limited Trading as Leia Healthcare and Leia Life is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Unrestricted benefits are available until the end of December. Fair usage policy applies. Yes, what I guess we've got on the date. Uh, it's Craig Brown's wingman. Hi, I'm again. How are you doing, mate? All right? I'm good, I'm good. You? Good, mate. I'm good to hear. Uh, what's your script with Craig Brown? He's your neighbour, isn't he? He used to be my neighbour. Uh, he's still is obviously hovering about now at, what, 74, 75, still going strong. But, uh, no, nah, I think back in the day, Craig Brown was brilliant to me. Uh, when I when I sort of came here, I was obviously looking for an apartment and me sort of being... Irish, not known obviously a lot of people. I happened to pick a, a flat between Archie and Craig. <laughs> I was the third floor, Archie was the second floor, and Archie was the top floor, so I had to behave myself. How was how was Craig when you were with? No, Craig Craig was always brilliant to me. I, I, do you want your do you want your pass me on stuff? Do you want what? Do you want birds that you'd been with? Did Craig want a tutor? No, nah, I was probably more his wingman than, <laughs> than, than he than he was my wingman, but nah, nah, he he was unbelievable with me. So he, he brought me to the club and sort of Help get my career back on track again, so uh-huh. good. Uh, did you ever get a night out one? Nope. Uh, Jimmy Nickel was always on to me. Always like Jimmy Nickel was was here uh, last international squad. He's like, ah, oh, went up to Aberdeen and I was about to head out for a night out and stuff, and was about to go to the Albine, but the Albine had closed like probably two years ago now. <laughs> so he is obviously still wanting to go to Albine because years ago it used to be him and Craig used to go to. There used to be a wee club down below, and he said it was it was a main spot. But I've never been, so I'm just taking advice from them. Brilliant. Right, another thing I want to ask you before we get on your career. Uh, another ladies' man, Paul Slane. <laughs> My man, how was he? You used to pick him up in the morning, didn't you? Yeah, I picked Slaney up in the morning, but nah, funny, funny guy. Uh, obviously, when he got on my ner- nerves a few times, the radio had to come on. But uh, no, nah, he 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 was great. He was just he was very very shy probably to start off with. Uh, he, I think he, I obviously done him a lot of favors. He, he picked up bad injuries and. He, he lived quite close to me. I, I lived down beside the, the hydro and he, he was quite close to me. Uh, so I just picked him up in the mornings. He, he was great company going in and always laugh, joke, the whole way in, the whole uh-huh. way home. But obviously he was disappointed because he was injured and probably didn't get to really fulfil his career as a, as a professional footballer. He actually told me that Amsterdam was your idea. 
<laughs> I said I would meet him over there, but I didn't go, so I left him on his own. <laughs> right, mate, on to the career. Uh, how, how early did you know that you were, you were better than everyone else? I think for me, I, I didn't really get that stage where I thought, oh, I was good enough to be a professional footballer. I think I was, I think it's different growing up sort of back home in Ireland. Obviously, I was playing Gaelic football for, for years. I was playing soccer. I was, I was just playing it for fun more than anything. I was doing my studies. I was always sort of, I was studying a sport and leisure management course in Belfast. It was a two-year course. And it was actually halfway through that second year where I thought, oh, I might have a chance here. Because that's, that's when, obviously, Derry City came in and... Stephen Kenny uh, obviously gave me the phone call, but sort of underage, I was always, I probably, I was always quite fast and always sort of got up players, created problems. We, we had a good team, we're, we're like Northern Ireland champions like three years in a row, but I think we're a very, very good team, we came up against good teams and uh, we just were always consistent and then I, I just sort of broke in the first team, but I was only in the first team at Dungan Swiss for, for six months and I just had a good six months and that obviously helped me obviously when Derry came Call so it. see when you're playing with Dungan and Swiss are you still playing Gaelic as well yeah it was is that just... how your nose got out <laughs> your nose or my nose <laughs> oh, mate, my nose is a bare ass box <laughs> no uh, I think because you're young you're fit you're healthy I don't think you can maybe, maybe do it as much now I think growing up I was always uh, I was playing soccer matches on a Saturday and then playing Gaelic matches on a Sunday I, I was never I never drunk until my my 18th birthday and I was a few West Coast coolers a few WKDs and I was steaming <laughs> but uh, no it was just my managers were always good to me. They knew I had talent and this the Gaelic always wed out with the soccer good because I was maybe training soccer on a Tuesday night, Gaelic Wednesday night, soccer Thursday night and then Gaelic. There was times, I remember I was playing a, a match with Dungan Swiss. We were playing against Linfield one, one afternoon about three o'clock and straight from kick-off I had guys from my local GA club waiting in the car park for me to get off the pitch, go into the car straight up and play Gaelic match. Which well, straight was, after a first team game you play Gaelic? first team game just straight up and play So what do you think now when kids are getting two days off after games and stuff like that? Crazy isn't it? Yeah it's mad. I don't, regarding obviously me being older and stuff it's obviously great but kids kids can run all day and obviously it's just it's just enjoyment factor and it's one of those ones that it, it will get that stage in your career where obviously you go on and be successful at at doing something while I was teaching business, people are obviously going down the route of being a professional footballer. But regarding Gaelic, it, it's tough back home because it's, it's it's not professional. Like I have a, I have a really good mate. He, he's an accountant, plays at the top level. He he's in every morning at eight o'clock. Uh, but Colin Cavan, you call him, and uh, he's maybe not getting home to like ten o'clock at night because after work he's straight to training and then he's training for two and three hours and then he's he's getting home at like ten eleven at night. You know what I mean? He's not getting a penny for it. <laughs> uh, see, we done Gannon Swiss. We always a winger. Was it always chalk on the boots? Tricky uh, winger. Always a winger. Uh, Old school winger, mate. We oh. used to call you Stanley Matthews, remember? Because <laughs> you were like a pure throwback kind, weren't you? Yeah, that's it. It was just it was one of those ones. that just plenty of confidence. Just any time we got the ball, I was always told just to run our players and. That's gone as well now, is it? Yeah, I think, I think it has. Like, it's definitely gone probably from my game over the years. I've developed into more of a sort of like a versatile player where I come in, maybe get on the ball, stay wide, get on the ball, uh, try and obviously uh, create problems and obviously create chances. But regarding Dungan Swiss, it was always just get on the ball and score goals and just run a player. Just uh-huh. And then Derry came in for you. Is that a huge move? Yeah, it was massive at the time. I think uh, it was actually, I think we Billy Reid was over from Hamilton. He was actually watching the time. I remember bumping into, I was down in Lockheed and Dundee at one Lockheed, time. Lockheed, Yeah. Uh-huh. Some, some like Celtic bar, because my agent Jerry, he, he brought me in one day. It was after like a Celtic game. And uh, the man behind the bar, he was actually there the same night that Stephen Kenny had spotted me playing. Because they were over watching, like, I think they were watching somebody else at the time. And I happened to do really well in the game. And, he said, the big guy at the bar, he said... Stevie Martin. It might have been... the bald head. I think so. So he was standing one side of the pitch where I was playing. And he said, as soon as the second half went, he walked around the other side, same side to me, to watch me. And uh, 
they bumped into Stephen Kenny after the game and they're like straight away, hi, you must be matching a wee tricky winger, like sort of playing winger. And Stephen Kenny said, nah, next morning, Stephen Kenny on the phone, won the semi for Derry City. That that's it. how it came about? Yeah, that's would it. you have went to Hamilton or would, would Derry have been your preferred? I don't actually think Hamilton were there to watch me, so it was one of those ones probably Hamilton might have come in, but yeah. obviously Stephen Kenny was on the ball, he was straight away, and I was obviously still part-time at the time, and obviously uh, when Stephen Kenny phoned me, I think he was just coming back from Dunfermline at the time, and... Uh, it was one of those ones that's like, wow, full-time football here. It's an opportunity to make, for me to go to Derry City. So I left my studies. I was still working on a car wash, still working on the bar. Why are you working on a car wash? Just trying to get as much money as possible. But I'll, I'll go down to about talking about the car wash later down the line when I, when I sign for Celtic. Right, OK. So Derry City, <laughs> did you need to move away from home? Yeah, but uh, it was actually, I was always a home bird. I was driving young age. It was always into my cars. I know why you were driving. <laughs> Picking <laughs> birds up. Nah, definitely <laughs> not. But I love, I love my cars. All, the boys always give me a stick. I used to come in and... Used to have the spoilers and all. So it's like we keep it sell like we fiesta souped up. But uh, yeah, I had to move to Derry. But it was always quite. Steam Kenny was always good to me because we had more or less the weekends off. Anytime we went from Derry till maybe Cork, Dublin, used to have to sort of drive past where I lived. So I always got my car left there and jumped off, and that was me home. But uh, sort of the first couple of months. Settling in, I was always driving home like most days and stuff. And then Stephen Kenny just pulled me, says, "Look, you need to stay up." And then I think from that moment on, when when I'm staying up, I was getting used to the area, getting used to the whole environment, being a full-time professional footballer. My, my my sort of career really sort of kicked on from there. See, with Stephen Kenny, obviously, he's tipped to be the next Republic of Ireland manager. Did you know back then how special he was? Yeah, just just I think it's just you just sort of need to know Stephen to sort of know how to take him. His man management skills are, are second to none. He's just he's very good. He's very hands on and. Even obviously Paddy been on, spoke about him, how highly often he was. And even till today, he's always kept a, a close eye on my career and he was good for me personally. Like I had only one one good season there and that was it. And that was me moved on to Celtic. But what he'd done for me was massive, brought me to full-time football and I've nothing but thanks to him. How does that. Stephen Kenny deal with Paddy McCourt? <laughs> how does anyone deal with him? <laughs> uh, what was your first, see the first time you seen Paddy, what was your impression? <laughs> Just, it just reminded me of the first time he signed for Celtic. Just came in the big bushy hair. I think when he signed for Celtic, he, was, he obviously got a trim and was a wee bit better. But when he came in at the right <laughs> no, city, wasn't a bit of, I, still I seen this boy with long hair, and I thought, "Wow, what's this?" Because I didn't really sort of know too much about him. But obviously, anyone who's played him wants to get the footballs out and seen how good he was. He, 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 a few injuries at the time, but him probably being injured probably maybe helped me come in and obviously play a lot quicker. And I, I, I just sort of had a very good consistent season and. Played a lot of football, but no, what a pleasure to play with Paddy. Did he take you under his wig? I mean, wing, sorry. <laughs> that is a good wig he has. <laughs> uh, but no, nah, yeah, he he was always good with me regarding, uh, like he obviously, it just worked out well because he went to Celtic and then, not in the million years, but I thought six months later I'd be following in his footsteps and going to Celtic as well. But when I went to Celtic, definitely helped me a lot. And obviously at Derry City as well, he, he was always a good character. And then even Northern Army and Paddy always shared rooms together. So he was always good company. Was he the one that would organise nights out in that then? Uh, he just caught on his own, didn't he? See, nah, Paddy was always sort of kept himself to himself, but he, he loved probably a wee bottle of wine or two in the house. Uh, even Northern Ireland, he would maybe sneak a wee bottle in the room or <laughs> not in a game. But even when he lived in Glasgow, people think, oh, like Paddy loved a night out, but he never ever went out in the city centre. Like, he would never ever think, oh, let, let's go out in the city centre. He'd maybe drink in the house or something, but team nights out, he was always definitely at the, the forefront. Uh, did, uh, did, did you ever sit on one of his prankies? What's his prankies? Phone calls now. <laughs> no, no, no. Mate, see, it's like we were uh, away at Cardiff 
Steve McPhail's testimony when he phoned the Derry chairman and the Derry manager, you know, at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I remember he phoned the time, I think we used to do that actually when I met up in Northern Ireland. School, but it was always brilliant. <laughs> it was good because he was used to always like nibbling, so, like trying to talk, and then people thinking, "No, you phoned me. No, you phoned me." Remember Craig the Reed? Remember Craig Reed who played for Motherwell? Was it certainly come you? Okay, yeah, yeah. Paddy phoned him saying he was uh, the Derry <laughs> chief scout when he was at Motherwell. And uh, he was telling Reedy he was going to give him like, 2,000 euros a week. Oh, no. See, by the end of the phone call, me, I think Reedy had his bags <laughs> packed ready to go. But the thing that done it was Craig, at the end, Craig Reed. Reed <laughs> oh, no. uh, what's the exchange rate at the moment so I can work out how much I'm going to get in British, mate? And we all just started oh, pissing ourselves it's, it's easily done, so I'm sure there's people out there still wanting to do it. Brilliant. Um, young player of the year 2008, and a call up to the national squad. Was that when the interest started to, to come for you? Uh, I think sort of Maiden's always told me this and which is the truth I think about six months into my contract I was just really consistent and I was really playing well and sort of the chairman at Swansea at the time he actually flew over on his own he must have flew over about seven eight times but my agent didn't tell me this so he followed me to Galway followed me to Dublin followed me to Cork followed me everywhere and I never had a like scooby-doo what was happening because obviously he didn't tell me about it I think I think nowadays sometimes maybe when you tell the players all oh, like such and such clubs watching you might maybe go back into Rochelle but regarding me I was just playing fun enjoying myself and then uh, at the very end of that season like I have had a great season young player of the year in Ireland which was massive for me and then uh, Swansea came straight in and I was just delighted then So what, what, what happened with Swansea? Why did you not go there? So uh, I remember like, it was like Roberto Martinez as a manager and stuff and the chairman was watching me week in, week out. I didn't have a clue. Jerry would always message me after games, oh, how'd you get on type thing? You've done well tonight, scored a few goals or whatever. And that's a happy days type thing. But never thought anything off it of, like, obviously moving on to the next level. So the call came about, look, Swansea want to sign you. So me and him just obviously packed the bags. We flew over one Friday night. I remember me and me and Jerry were just sitting in his house on Friday night. I wasn't really a big drinker. I thought, happy days, I'm going over to sign for Swansea. So there's me sitting drinking a few Magners and... Woke up the next morning, the worst hangover ever. Just being sick on the plane, going to the stadium, watch the game, and I wasn't feeling great. But uh, regarding like everything, I, I was everything was done and dusted, contract signed. But what I really liked about Swansea was Roberto Martinez. After the game, him and he came into the, the room, came in, brought, uh, spoke to me one on one, and then me and Jerry went back to the hotel. And then I'm not joking. A couple hours later, he he came to the hotel, met me, just told me about everything. He knew everything about me and stuff, and that was it. I was I was about to sign, and then I flew home to speak to my family and stuff. And then uh, Jerry was away for the weekend, and he was coming back, and he's like, phoned me. He's like, where are you? Where are you? And I'm like, I'm in the house here. He's like, I need to speak to you. He's like, Neil Lennon's been on the phone. He's like, Celtic want to sign you. I'm like, oh my god, this is crazy. And then that was it. There's there's only one place I was going. That was Celtic. One. So did you need to tell Martinez that you want to sign it? Yeah, I just had to tell. Did Marti- you phone him or did Jerry? No, phone Jerry him? done all the stuff. He like he. T- it was just a horrible feeling because because of the fact of the chairman, he, or the head of chief executive, he just followed me up and down the country for about six months, and then for obviously the to sort of turn around and say, look, I'm going to Celtic. I think if it had been sort of maybe on the other club, they might not maybe took it as bad because it was Celtic. You grew up, you you obviously supporting Celtic and stuff, and. Opportunity to sign for Celtic was, was not just to be shouted for agent Jerry Callow. What a guy, man! What a man! Yeah, he's 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 obviously helped me over the years. He's but he's my probably my, my good mate more than anything. We went, went in the business together, restaurants and stuff. But regarding my career, he was a big Celtic fan as well growing up. But for him to have the opportunity to have represent a guy who played for Celtic was, was massive. And I'm sure you've been to a few parties when oh. you know what he's like. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, where were you when he phoned you to tell you about Celtic? Can you remember where you were? I, I was just sitting in the house uh, with my family because I, I was only just home from Swansea and I was just discussing like the chance to go to Swansea with my mum and dad and they're obviously delighted they're over the moon and obviously when he said Neil Lennon had been on the phone and obviously Celtic were, were interested I was like wow. He's like jumping a bit of a living room in there? Just 
crazy. Like it was just it's a wee bit surreal because it was just I, I couldn't believe that I was obviously had the opportunity to, to move to such a big club. It was just it hadn't sunk in. It, it didn't probably sink in for until probably I was making my debut. And who, stuff was like the, that. who was the first person you spoke to for Celtic? Why does it move? What? I think I, I went over, I signed, uh, I'm, I'm straight into the, the main office, met Peter Lawwell and that, and he was probably the main one. Uh, I remember I was going up to Lennox Town, and I'll never forget this day, I was, I was in, it was the end of my season, so our season ran from March time to November time, so I went in, done the VO2 max, and then I was, I was going to be off for like four or five weeks, because I wasn't coming back until the January time. I remember walking into the canteen, and Seamus Coleman was sitting there. He was on trial, wasn't he? I remember he, about it. Seamus Coleman was sitting there same second because he, he, I'd played against him because he was a Sligo Rovers and I was at Derry City. Both of us had a good season and he was obviously on a few different trials. I'm thinking Seamus Coleman must be signed for Celtic as well. But he obviously went on trial and probably Celtic's biggest regret not signing him because I think he, I think he was going for maybe 50, 60 grand at the time or something. I can't remember <laughs> the figures but Seamus Coleman was sitting there and I remember him obviously they, they didn't sign. But I think throughout even my time there I think they only ever signed one guy and that was big Milan Massoon. Remember him? <laughs> big centre half. <laughs> I think that was him. That was the only one I could ever, ever signed on from, from a trial basis. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Paddy McCord told us that he felt Gordon Strachan never really knew much about him. Did, did, did you I feel was probably, that? I was probably the same as well. I... I think I was probably a wee bit more different than Polly because see when I went over I didn't do all this big media stuff like holding the flag and Polly done all that obviously and obviously all the players do it now but I felt that, like I was, was signing as like a development player and that's probably what it was to be honest uh, I came in the January obviously like so all the, the Razzies but I came the in Jobbies in, is what the call <laughs> Jobbies but I, I I enjoyed that because I was obviously going to Celtic and then there was an odd time where I joined in with Celtic but sure, we, 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 had, we had a good team that year and we're, we're obviously playing good football and winning games going to Ibrox and beating Rangers and stuff mm. Did you great. know when you moved in that you were going to be playing for the reserves? I did, I did sort of yeah I'd, like it was a funny one because it probably wasn't really brought across to me how, how, how it was because because I remember uh, Strachan, he he brought me to one of the games before. I didn't play, I didn't strip he, he maybe brought one of the, to the younger lads like to go and travel maybe for experience more than anything but I was sort of just always brought in maybe as a development player and I've, I've always stuck with that. I was brought in as a development player to try and obviously further my career and try and obviously break into the first team. So did you ever have a chat with Strachan or was it? Not really, no. No, just... Did you find that a bit strange? <laughs> I think I did, yeah, at the start, but I was just sort of... I probably didn't know what was happening. I signed for one of the biggest clubs in the world. I was going from Ireland. Did. I was just... Nah, definitely not. in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, that was it. It was just get in, get started and just keep the head down and then once once... I went from being in your changing room or our changing room at the time to being in the first team squad. That's when the sort of new stuff's going to get serious. Now, once I got moved into the first team changing so room. So, who was the reserve manager when you came? Was it Willie? It's McStay? Willie McStay, yeah. Did you uh, play for Willie? Yeah, Willie was good. Uh, just typical Scottish character and banter about him. He, he, he was good with me. Uh-huh. And then, what about when you first started training with the first team? Who was who was the ones you looked up, up to? Say, like? uh, I remember. I think I remember one of my first sessions of doing doing boxes and Nakamura was there and he just was unbelievable. He just couldn't give the ball away. McGeady was sensational. Paddy was obviously the same as well. But I think sort of me being that sort of type of winger, I always looked towards probably Nakamura and Aidan McGeady. McGeady was just unbelievable. And turning the two were two He was class. He would have been our type of character always getting on well with as well because he, he even let me, like, I was always in the McCars. I used to take. Gaty's Aston Martin for spins down, down out of the Lennox Town Brownie used to give me his Porsche and I used to take him for spins because I just love cars <laughs> <laughs> they would like you drive them <laughs> they would just let me drive, drive the cars no way I went but uh-huh. thankfully I came back on scale was, was there any characters that kind of took you under their wing at uh, well under my wing probably you had Paddy you had probably Big Daz you had Aiden you had all the Irish boys but 
Stokes, he was always good to me as well, but I, I just sort of knew to keep my distance because he's a madman. <laughs> <laughs> is he a madman? I've never met Stokes. He isn't when I was there. How is he a madman? What is he just... I think I think madman in the sense of he's just daft and stupid. He probably didn't think think things through. And typical example was I think me, Paddy, and Stokesy were back in Belfast for the weekend, and me and Paddy had flew back, and we came in train Monday morning, and Lanny came charging in the physio room. Paddy was always in the physio room, so I just came in to, to speak to Paddy, and Lanny came barging in, and he's like, "Where's Stokesy? Where's Stokesy?" I was like. We don't know, but any time Stokesy went missing or he done something, then he'd always come to me and Barry because we're Irish. <laughs> so uh, he's like, "Oh, he must be still in Belfast." And obviously, Lenny phoned Stokesy, got a hold of him. He's like, "Ah, oh, missed my flight, missed my flight." But he told him lies. Like I think the flight was the wrong time, so he ended up having to get the next flight. Came in later, and Lenny just ran him up and down the pitch for about two hours. Is it was he simpler? Eh? Yeah, he was unbelievable talent, and ah, he's obviously still playing at a decent enough level now but uh, he was probably he probably should have prolonged maybe more of his career at Celtic definitely yeah. see when you first started training the first team did, did, did you think straight away wow this standard's did you did you feel comfortable in that standard did you think I need to get better here no I knew I knew 100% going from obviously playing League of Ireland it was a massive step up even moving across to Scotland even playing with some of the reserve boys because you had sort of some of the first team boys playing reserves like Paddy and, and whatnot and you had good players so I even found that probably a bit of a step up as well because I was still learning the game. I was only like a year down the line into professional football and for me to go from that to even in the first team training, my first team was just massive. I was just always nervous probably. And, uh, but me sort of being how I am, it probably being tricky winger, probably being fast, probably got me out of like good situations at times and it probably it worked for me. You said you were a homebird. Was there times that you found it difficult to say it and you actually thought about going in? Not a Celtic. Uh, I, think, I think at Derry City... That with Stephen Kenny putting his arm around me and a couple of months into that saying, "Look, you need to live here." I think that got me used. But I think, I think the age that I went over was was important for me because I went over at eighteen, nineteen. I was at a good age. You see a lot of players moving, maybe moving across when they're fourteen, fifteen, stay in Scotland and England for two or three years to get homesick and then they're straight home again and yeah. maybe their career goes down the line. But I always, <coughs> I had sort of good family behind me, good people behind me, and even sort of me agent at the time he always warned me how, how big of a fishbowl Glasgow is regarding like Celtic and Rangers and I think even me from sort of growing up in Northern Ireland was sort of maybe the divide between the two you always sort of knew how, how mad it was going to be and then when I went on to sort of make my Northern Ireland debut when I was at Derry City at the time Nigel Warrington phoned me I thought it was one of the boys taking the piss so he phoned me and he, he said look I'm, I want you to be coming in the Northern Ireland team but I was still playing Derry City time and even for, for me to play for Northern Ireland at that stage of my career was, was massive as well so I think everything was sort of just coming together I think it was a period of about 18 months I went from maybe playing in front of what 60 odd people at, at Dungana Swift to, to making a debut in front of what 60 odd thousand Celtic uh, Park Could you believe the stick that you get at Celtic when you give the ball away and even training? It's just part and parcel. I think. Uh, I think. Is that, that a shock to you, though? Because did that happen to Derry as well? No, nah, I think it just happens everywhere. Yeah. You just I think you just get certain types of characters. Even to now, there's always like one or two. You have. I played with Barry Robson. Played with Will of Flood. These guys are always ammonious players. Like to have in your team, you were always ammonious. Yeah. Well. <laughs> but uh, you need that. I think you need that because you need to be kick up the backside sometimes to help you. It's gone Stratton Obviously, he's famous for his one one liners. Did ever <laughs> give me a bit? Never. I like my six months. I just never. I probably never sat down and had a, a a full skill conversation with him. So I was only there. Like it was just basic hellos and that in the corridor and stuff. But it just I was there for six months. I was always with Willie McStay and Danny McGrain with the reserves, and uh, that was it. And then once Tony Mowbray came in, that's when things got serious for me. What was uh, what was your initial impressions when Tony Mowbray came in? Except thinking that he looked like you. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's a bit harsh. Uh, I'm Tony. <laughs> uh, so see, see when Strachan went, were you, wee bit ha- were you quite happy because you didn't look like you were going to get a chance under him, did you? Yeah, no, I was probably delighted. It's like, it's like anything, it's like... If a manager leaves before sort of start of a pre-season, everyone sort of rubs their hands, everyone, like a fresh slate. I'm sure it's, it's different for certain other players, but I felt I was there for six months. I was getting plenty of like a football in the reserves, but I wanted to like push on, get the next level. I wanted to obviously play for Celtic. So I thought when Tony came in, just get my head down, work hard. Uh, I was always like a naturally fit lad. I always like worked really hard, always done well in the testing <coughs> and stuff. And I remember sitting in the house on, on the Friday night, Celtic were playing the Wembley Cup at the time. And... Uh, Got the phone call, I think it was me and Con- Ryan Conroy. Got the phone call, I think we went down. Celtic played on the Friday night. Got the phone call, look, we need you to come down to Wembley. Uh, so we flew down on the Saturday, and that's when I came on and made my like my debut for Celtic. I play- came on against Tottenham at Wembley, which was surreal. I came on that day, so I was yeah. if you were good, I remember it. <laughs> I and just got them all and ran. ran ahead. And see, after that, would Mobley take did Mobley take to you straight after your debut? I think uh, I think my second game was. Man City, did you play at Man City? No, I played Man City. Yeah, because that was a second game as well. So that was probably quite good for all of us because it gave him an opportunity to see all of us and see how we were. And we, I, I, I obviously must impress them to think because I think under that season I played my most football. Well, if I wasn't starting, I was always maybe first or second sub. So I ended up playing maybe over 20, 25 times that season, which was massive for me. <laughs> right, your debut came in two thousand and nine, as you said, ten years ago. It's crazy. Mad to think that. Jesus, did you know beforehand you were going to play? I did because. I remember uh, I was home with Northern Ireland. We had a game on, I think it was a Tuesday or Wednesday night. I came back and trained on the mon- on the Thursday. And Tony pulled me. He says, look, you're making your debut on Saturday. I'm thinking, no no chance. Like, you're, you're having me on. He said, ah, oh, Aidan's suspended. So McGeady was suspended. And he said, he says, look, you're playing. So he's like, ah, oh, go and tell your family and stuff. Tell your friends. So stood on the phone to my and dad, telling everyone I'm, I'm obviously starting Saturday. So law flew over for the game. And... Although the game didn't go well, we, we drew the game, but obviously a bittersweet moment, uh, picking up man in the match in my debut. Which How nice. many came over for Ireland? I think it was only maybe four at the time, but I remember like when I was younger and stuff, I used to go over the games, and I always remember my first goal at Celtic Park. I scored into the same goal. Alan Thompson scored his goal, but when Celtic beat Rangers 1-0, I can't remember the year it was, but I, I travelled over in the boat, and like I was going to the games and stuff. and I remember being on the boat, and there wasn't like a massive Celtic support on the boat, so... It was the craziest journey coming home because Celtic had just beat Rangers. Rangers were all noisy and rowdy coming home in the boat, and there's me and my wee Celtic top. But I had to like cover it over because it was like intimidating. So, like, it was only like a group of five of us in the car, and we always had to like cover up our clothes and stuff, even getting off the boat and stuff. Because you just never know what you could have came across or got attacked or something. It was just really intimidating back then. But to think, sort of being right behind the goal for Alan Thompson to score his winner, then for me to go on and score my first goal in the same goal was, was see incredible. when you scored. Did you remember back to? Yeah, I remember that? it straight away. Just because I against Kilmarnock. It, I came on as a sub and just caught it sweetly and scored that goal and I just remembered it was in the same same end. See when you ran it for your debut, did you see your mum and dad and that in the in the stand? They were they were just sort of up in the, the stand, but I didn't sort of like sort of try and look for him because I was just focused on the game and Paddy was on to me before the game, just giving me advice and stuff and and he's just saying just just get on the ball, get one or two touches, keep it simple, and then obviously just bed your way in the game. So to have guys like that giving me confidence going into games was, was great and. Yeah, it worked out well. Did you love it? How was the debut brilliant? <laughs> debut was just... I, probably, I can't remember too much of it now. It was just a surreal moment. And to think, sort of, I would have the opportunity to make my debut for Celtic was crazy. And thankfully, I did it. See, when you got your debut, did you think, this is me now, I'm going to, I'm going to be a Celtic player. I'm going to stay in the team. I knew, or, or did you know that as soon as Aiden came back, you'd be at the team? I just I just felt it was always going to be difficult because you had Aiden who was going to come straight back in the team, probably anyway. And uh, it was just one of those ones that I felt I had the manager's confidence that he had confidence in me that I was going to play and that's what I said earlier like under that season 
if I wasn't playing, I was always maybe first or second mm-hmm. sub. I always felt like I was involved, and I sort of personally for me, I had like a good season because I played a lot of football. But regarding the team wise, and I think just regarding sort of the ins and outs of the club and how much players came in and gone, the sort of overchange of all the players, it was probably quite hard to probably get a probably a consistency. See, after the man of the match, did Moby congratulate the boys in the changing room? Uh, looking back, it, I don't even know to be honest. I can't yeah. remember. It's just. Uh-huh. Get out to see my mum and dad and see obviously my friends and stuff. We came over, my agent. It was just fucking let's go and enjoy the moment. How good is life when you're a Celtic first team player? You're going out every Saturday night in Glasgow. <laughs> Do you need to watch what you're doing as well, though? Massively. I think uh, if there's one person probably fulfilled his two and a half years of being a Celtic player, it'd probably be me. I think uh, I used to go to Santa Ponza every every summer. I used to see Paul Caddis <laughs> bouncing, bouncing. He's still going. <laughs> He's still going. <laughs> It's got the hurriest feet I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> used to see Paul Caddis in the Shamrock Bar. I used to go every... There was maybe a group of five of us, me, me and his cousin, and a few of the boys from Belfast. We used to go every every summer. And five years and then I went to the Celtic conventions in Vegas. Uh, I remember I was, showed up, I was at the pool parties, and there's probably four and 5,000 people around a pool party, and there's me in the middle of the pool, and they're all singing songs and stuff. And, and you were all playing these, for Celtic all, at the time, I was playing Celtic at the time, and I just, it was just surreal. Like How well I was looked after regarding any sort of events or conferences I went to was incredible and for them and then I think another big thing as well is growing up in back in Ireland and even West Belfast is obviously renowned as a massive Celtic supporting area so when I Maid and Jerry came to me to open up a restaurant in, in Belfast we call it Falsha so uh, another big thing was I got six or seven of the boys together. It was Mark Rosas, McGeady, Big Yoss, Hoyvelt and Killian Sheridan was there I remember that they all went over didn't they all went over to Belfast so, so for well, it was Rangers or what it was Celtic. If it was if it was Celtic fans in the middle of West Belfast, or it was Rangers in the middle of Shankill for sort of a Celtic player at that time to open up a restaurant in in their community was massive. And for them to have six and seven Celtic, current Celtic players in in their area was was massive because they would never hear the likes like that ever. So see, when you go back to Belfast being a Celtic player, your your area obviously a massive Celtic area. Would you get mobbed there? Huh? Like, all my, like I'm, I'm from a very small village, probably four or five thousand people, so everyone would know me. But uh, even to now, like I get it all the time, whether I'm playing against Rangers or I'm playing against Hearts, it just they're always calling me obviously names regarding Celtic, if you know what yeah. I mean. Because once you play for Celtic, it's going to obviously live with you for your for your rest of your career. But look, it can it can only be a good thing. What about any bad situations going back to Belfast? I think the worst situation, which was hard for me and probably my family, was when me and Neil Lennon got the bullets in the post. I think. <sighs> uh, I I was in the hotel with with a game the next day and heard this big chop at the door and Lenny's at the door and he walked the door and Lenny's standing looking at me and I'm thinking what have I done here like I've obviously done nothing he's like look there's there's been bullets sent to yourself and me uh, but they've been intercepted uh, there's going to be a big story coming out in the papers tomorrow look I'm just came here to tell you that obviously go and phone your mum and dad so I didn't want my mum and dad opening up the newspapers the next morning saying oh wow their son's been obviously attacked by being sent bullets so I phoned them straight away obviously calm my mum down and stuff and just said look there's going to be a story coming out in the newspaper tomorrow regarding obviously the bullets sent to me and the manager but it sort of blew over quite quickly it was actually after the after the the 2-0 game at Ibrox where I made my uh, old firm debut where Big Sammy scored two and uh, it all sort of escalated from that I think it's probably just probably because obviously Celtic played Rangers and it just escalated from that probably me being a local boy from back home maybe some maybe Rangers fans from Northern Ireland just didn't like it and obviously went out of the way to do it. See, after that, do you have fear? Like, for your family and that, do you worry? Yeah, obviously, you think, like, you just have to forget about it. I know it's hard sometimes to forget about it, but I remember, like, I think it was a month or two later, the exact same thing happened to Paddy because Paddy had done the same. 
this was delivered maybe towards Celtic Park or whatever so it comes it comes with obviously playing for probably Celtic or Rangers it's just part and parcel of the job but it's one of those ones you just have to get, get out of your mind as quickly as possible I have done Right mate good points uh, team like so who, who'd be the boys you'd be at right at Celtic uh, who would you be Posse Danny Lafferty <laughs> Danny Lafferty jeez what a guy now Danny was I remember Paddy telling a story about him leaving the leaving house in the middle of the night. <laughs> but nah, Danny lived with me. I think he lived with Killian Sheridan for months at a time, but Danny always done the same to me. He'd, like On a Friday night, you'd just be sitting there eating dinner and he'd just leave. <laughs> Ready to go to train Monday morning, no sign of him. He's with Friday, he's with Saturday, Sunday, and he'd phone you Monday morning, oh, can you come pick me up from here, come pick me up from here, and then you have to go and pick him up from maybe some random hotel. But What a boy. What a boy, Jesus Christ. What about, uh, you liked him out there, didn't you? I... Uh, I was I was probably out quite a lot, but I never drunk much. Drunk, uh, yeah, I, I was always say, driving. Take but, your car. Out. Yeah, take my car, and if I pulled the wee lady, why not? Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, what do you call Which it? Which is uh, to look after myself and obviously others as well. But uh, now, nah, regarding nights out, you'd mad Daz. He was loved the night out. Brownie and Paddy obviously loved the night out as well. But uh, yeah, when I would, so it was always good team nights out. Even Big Arthur and Big Salusk at the time, like we used to go out for dinner, and they were used to just drink vodka shots just. Straight. One after another, they'd probably go through like two bottles and it wouldn't phase them. Yeah. Just incredible. Like if we had a we had a quarter bottle, we'd be on our back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, when you got in the first one, did you change like your diet, the way you trained? Did you give everything to be a Celtic player, or do you think you could have you could have worked a wee bit harder? I think I think uh, no, I think it was always I always at quite well. Always worked hard. I was always naturally very fit, and I think that always always came from me having a good sort of. Younghood, I think Gaelic, Gaelic is, is extremely tough and I think Gaelic always stood me in good stead to go on and be a professional footballer. I think it was just injuries picked up the wrong times and uh, I done my metatarsal at the very last training session of the season under Mowbray and then uh, when obviously Lenny came in, I didn't get back playing until I think it was October, November and Lenny brought me into the team. We played St Johnson twice, my first two games. I scored in the first game and then I scored two goals in the second game. I was within the week and it was brilliant. I was playing loads of football, enjoying my football. And then I remember uh, that January transfer window, the likes of Chris Commons and all came in and they obviously just came in hit the ground running and it was just obviously going to be hard from them. But I always felt that I probably could have probably prolonged it a lot more if, it, if things had went my way a bit more regarding maybe injuries and obviously maybe more opportunities. But I've no grudges against anyone because you, you had James Forrest coming through at the time who was, who was sensational. Could you tell he was yeah, going to be sensational? Yeah, he just knew. He just was probably... Probably quite similar to myself when I was when I was at young age. It was just no fear, just getting on the ball and speed of him. And obviously Lanny loved him, so obviously Lanny always had his arm around him and stuff, and obviously helped him massively. <laughs> uh, ask everyone that comes on this who played under Tony Mowbray. Why did it go wrong? Because his ideas, as everyone says, were really good. But was it the dynamic between him, Venus, and Peter Grant? Possibly. Uh, I think it obviously it's always results based business and we just weren't getting the results and I think Were the players not good enough to? Uh, I think the players probably were but as I said earlier it's probably maybe the amount of change that we're having so sometimes when you're constantly changing the squad you maybe don't get that maybe the consistency the manager maybe feels like he should be playing somebody maybe shouldn't be playing others and then probably players maybe aren't getting happy and I think if it all comes together and you aren't getting the right results it's obviously going to result in the manager getting the boot Is it hard to be a Celtic player when you're going through hard times like that the team's not doing well? I think so I think definitely I think uh, and you're sort of playing week in, week out, and obviously things are good. It's like you're untouchable. But see, when obviously the crowd's on your back and you're not winning, it's probably it's probably the worst place to be. To be honest, it's even I find it Aberdeen now. If you're winning games, it's 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 great. But see, when when the times are tough, probably like now, it's, it's it can be hard. Uh-huh. Uh, Robbie Keane came in. Is he your hero? Growing up, Robbie Keane, one of your heroes, now. 
Yeah, he was. Yeah, I got. I uh, remember I got his jersey and stuff when when I actually played against Ireland. Uh, but uh, he no, nah, I was probably like Paddy. I was a wee bit sort of starstruck. Robbie Keane coming in Celtic, and I sort of taken back. But it was a big statement from from the club to bring a player of that calibre in, and even just watching him train, his movement, and how good he was. He was just no, nah, he was he was special. Paddy followed him everywhere. Was Paddy thing, didn't he? Paddy won the slice of ham, and if Robbie Keane won the slice of ham, bottle of wine, Paddy couldn't get it for him. <laughs> he used to drive to the airport to pick him up, but the boys used to cane him all the time. Like just anything Robbie wanted done, Paddy was just there. Like if, if you if you wanted Paddy to do something for you, probably no chance. But if Robbie Keane wanted you to do something, Paddy was there. Was there? Uh, was he a top man, Robbie Keane? Yeah, he was great. He was he was always good to me and stuff. And to have the opportunity to play with him was was special for me. So yeah, now he's great. Uh, okay, uh, so Tony Mobile leaves. Did you know Lenny was going to get the job? Were you mm. tight with Lenny? Because he was a reserve manager then, wasn't he? Yeah, Lenny was always good to me. Because he's, he's obviously sort of played for Northern Ireland being a Celtic <coughs> player. And Would you speak about stuff like that when he was a reserve manager? Yeah, just probably a wee bit. Just, I think, just always guiding me through things. And, like, he obviously gets stick as well. And then me and Paddy get stick because we obviously play for Celtic and Northern Ireland. But I think as times have moved on and people realise you're, you're a young lad, you're growing up from, from back home, you're, you're out there, you're always going to give 100%. You're, you're playing for Northern Ireland. So for me to to be a young player playing for Derry City at the time, to have that opportunity to go make my debut for Northern Ireland was, was surreal, if you know what I mean. I'm going to play international football and if that can benefit my career and play for Northern Ireland for as long as I possibly could, then then so be it, why not? And here I am now with, what, 58 caps. So. Brilliant. Uh, can you remember when Lenny, his first meeting with the boys after he took over? I can't remember the first meeting now, but he was always... Like he, he was always very good. He's always his man management skills was excellent. He always got his points across. He always was 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 hard on you when 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 you needed to be hard on. He like if games weren't going well, he would definitely come in and like obviously tell you that you weren't playing well. But he was always sort of good with sort of the Irish boys, as you like to say. because he 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 had obviously sort of been the same sort of background upbringing as, as probably me, and that definitely sort of helped me. And he always yeah definitely guided me along. What's the uh, what's the maddest you've seen him go? Hmm. Probably on Stokesy when Stokesy didn't turn up that late. But I think, uh, nah, yeah, definitely Stokesy. But he didn't ever like sort of come in and go bananas at me. But he just, he, he, he'd always go through one by one and just sort of making laughs and jokes. You, you would, obviously. Were you a wee bit scared then? Probably a wee bit when he got angry. But the old story of about when he went mad at Martin Boyd was, was probably one of the best stories. What is that? Go tell us. Nah, I don't know. If, I think it is true, but... Uh, Obviously, Martin Boyd was playing for, for Hibs at the time and he must have had a bad game and Lanny's came in and he says, you're not even the best footballer in your house. This was his place for the Hibs ladies. <laughs> oh, I love you, man. Um, did Lenny, did, did he, did, would you ever go to a manager and moan about no playing? No, I was, I would always be, like I've always been like very, like, but shy, shy and probably a wee bit intimidated like to go in and knock at the manager's door. The only time I've probably ever went in and spoke to a manager would be probably Dirk McInnes. As you've got older, huh? as I've got older and a wee bit more experienced, and I felt like I felt there's, there's there's certain times you need to go in and speak to managers, and there's certain times you just need to keep your head down and and go in. But I I was never the type of character to go in and chop the manager's door. Definitely not. Though. That's probably because I was scared, probably more than anything to be honest. Jake, you would have played more if you have you had it done that. Who knows? Possibly, but as I said earlier, when when that stage came, Chris Commons and stuff came in, and uh, I wasn't playing as much. I remember I think it was we played Aberdeen, we beat them nine 0 which was a crazy game, and. Just three things like that didn't go my way because I started the game, we're playing well, we're like 4 or 5 nil up at half, half time. Big big Thomas Rangan gets sent off, so I had to sacrifice an attacking player, so I came off. But we ended up winning 9-0. But I remember, like, I think it was two weeks later, we played Aberdeen again. 
I played the full game, 1-0. I remember Lenny coming in after the game and he singled me out for like having a really good game. I think it was Freddie Longberg at the time might have come on and played. But I remember him singling me out and then ever since that moment, I don't think I've ever kicked a ball for Celtic ever again. What am I doing that is? I don't know, I think it was just probably part and parcel of the players that came in at the time and they obviously just, I just fell down the packing order and obviously these players came in and hit the ground run and done really well. And I think the, the final nail in the coffin was at, at the end of that season, I was away with Northern Ireland, I came back and I think Celtic were heading to Australia at the time, so I was getting back, getting excited, ready to go, to go to Australia and, and he says, you're not coming. I was like, what? He's like, um, I think uh, you've been away with Northern Ireland, I'd just rather you stay here and rest up and then... I just sort of felt at that time that was obviously time for me to move on. I felt like like I'm coming back for pre-season, I want to go to Australia. And then that was it. I wasn't I wasn't told I was going to Australia. And then all of a sudden, a couple of days later, you're going to Brentford. And I was like, wow, type thing. Because I, I just felt if I had a went and got another good pre-season, you just never know what could have happened. Mm-hmm. So I just felt it was probably a wee bit unlucky and fortunate because I was an international player at the time. I was coming back from from being away international. I'm sure there was other international boys as well who, who, who went away on the trip. And I just felt, no, it's just... He just probably just didn't. He probably had other players ahead of me in the packing order that he obviously fancied more and than did me. Did you think that was fair that they were ahead of you? Do you think you were as good as him? Uh, I felt at the time I probably had the, the potential to, to obviously go on and, and prolong my career at Celtic. I would always be, have good belief in myself that, that I could have done. I think as years go on, you get more experience and obviously you learn a lot more. And I think if I had them opportunities, then I probably I probably could have done. Yeah, definitely. But it just shows you that when I left Celtic to to go to Brentford and then come back to Aberdeen and go on and have such a good time at Aberdeen it just shows you that for Lenny even to come back in for me again at Hibs the trance I made Hibs it just shown that he obviously did like me in the end See when you're a young kid and you're in and out of the team when you play is is there extra pressure on you you need to do something special because if you didn't then you're out of the team again I think for Celtic once once you're in the team you have to perform 8, 9 out of 10 every week just to play Is that tough? Yeah it's extremely tough see when the players have named like Jamesy, Chris Commons, players like that, Paddy and McGeady and stuff. When you had players like that, if you're not playing, you're gonna somebody else is gonna come in and play ahead of you. So I think it just sort of when I came into the team under Lanny and I was playing, I probably maybe got the stage where maybe we weren't doing as well. I think Hooper was missing at the time. We weren't really scoring goals, and it was just really a hard period for me to come in and obviously do really really well with obviously the team not doing so well. See if I had to come in and. I was constantly playing and the team was doing well and winning games and it probably would have been easier for me because because it was actually playing the team wasn't doing well and we were probably missing like certain players It probably had a, a backdrop on probably likes himself. <laughs> uh, right, Brentford, did you say uh, loan move to Brentford meaning <coughs> your settled contract would be finished by the time you came back? Were you a bit wary of going or, or was there no option you had to go? It was one of those ones that just sort of came about. It's like it wasn't like I didn't sort of really have the option. It was like Salah came to me and says look you're going to Brentford you're going out here to play games and I thought okay then but I think looking back and thinking of my time there under Rossler, Rossler was, was, was a good oh, manager. Yeah, he was, he was a mad, Bad mad man on the sideline, constantly on the sideline. Every If somebody gave the ball away, he was just running up and down the sideline. Or if you give the ball away, somebody was getting warmed up because you were coming off. So he was, very, like, he, he was mad in that sense. But he was a good manager. And I think, I think Brentford helped me sort of in the circumstances of... I, I've, I must have played 30 or 40 times that season, scored a few goals, had a decent season and that probably helped me to, to sort of go on to Aberdeen to, to do well. Because uh-huh. I hadn't played that m- amount of football in a full season since Derry City. But did you know as soon as you went on to Brentford, did you know your set of was over? I think I definitely did. I felt that they probably maybe didn't take a keen interest in me as much. I felt that there was nothing I could possibly do to probably get back there. It was just obviously Celtic were sort of moving on and I was obviously going a different way and but from, for Aberdeen to come in at the time they did was, was perfect for me. And it was Craigie Brown reporting for a party. 
Uh, I remember uh, it was actually smart work from my agent at the time, Jerry. Uh, I was home. first. I was, <laughs> I was home, got the phone call from Jerry. He says, look, uh, Craig Brown's coming over from Scotland. I was like, all right, okay. He says, uh, I'm taking him to watch a boy called Danny North. He was playing for, I think it was Sligo Rovers at the time. Would you like to come to the game? And I said, aye, no reason why not. So picked Craig Brown up, picked me up and uh, went to Jerry's house and Craig Brown got a wee tin of coke and a wee pack of cheese and onion crisps. He sat in the back, let me sit in the front and he was happy as a pig and shit in the back, <laughs> eating away, chatted the whole way. Went to the game. He didn't realise at the time I was out of contract. And uh, I remember I was just sort of sitting there and he, he sort of lent in the jury and he, he was speaking to the jury and I was sort of sitting in the background. I was grand. I was like, oh, what's, what's the situation now? And he's like, oh, he's out of contract. So Craig Brown's sitting in the back. I'm sitting in the front, heading home. And he sort of just lent in the front. And he says, how do you feel about coming to Aberdeen? I said, wow. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. He said, no, but I want you to come to Aberdeen. I want you to be, be my striker at Aberdeen. He says, I've watched you at Celtic and I see like, how you are as a player. You're fast. You're, you're, you can create, obviously, goals, score goals. He says, look, I want you to come to Aberdeen and be a striker. And I just, like, thought... Why not? This is this is unbelievable. This is like a top manager having faith in, in me who he's never worked with but has seen me from, from probably the outside in. That for him to say that, to bring me to Aberdeen as a striker, I thought, why not? Just go and give it a shout. And the rest is history. I came in and had such an unbelievable season, scored what, 22 goals or something? 22 20, goals. 21, yeah. 22 goals. See, so. just on Craig as he had to be an interview, he's a top man, isn't he? Yeah, he's just, just, he just, I remember I remember him doing a bit, uh, big interview. Uh, it's like a two, three minute interview. I remember BBC for Northern Ireland flew over. Done an interview with me, and then went in, done an interview with him, and they just all loved him, how highly they spoke about him. He took time out for everyone, and I just, I never forget it. The words he had to say about me at the time was, was unbelievable, and he said I was like son in law material, so, which was nice for him to say. So, <laughs> I don't know whether many people believe that, but that's true words he uh, said. Brilliant. Uh, see, when you first went to Aberdeen, could you believe how big a club they were? I knew how big of a club they were regarding playing against them, and uh, yeah, they're always a massive club, but see, when I signed there, I probably didn't realise how big they were until I actually started playing for them, but 
under that first season, we 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 probably had a shocking season. I think we finished seventh or eighth. But me personally, I, I had just an unbelievable season. Why do you think that was? Just playing every week. Just playing every week, playing with freedom, uh, having the confidence of of Craig and Archie. Uh, but I think uh, they just always played me through the middle. Like you know yourself, seeing you're not playing well, but you're getting chances and you're still scoring goals. More often than that, you think if you get three or four chances a game, you might score one. If you get one chance, you might score. If you get five chances, you just I just felt I was always going to score. And the season I had then was was I was even scoring headers when I scored headers. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't believe it when I was seeing it. Eh? See when you played then that first year at Aberdeen with Craig Brown, just give you a free rein, just go and play. Yeah, just go and play. Just come in, enjoy your football. I had, I had a tough start because I got injured after the second game. I done my ligaments. I was out for maybe four or five weeks. John Sharp at the time being old school and he, he just got me really really fit but I came back in and I think I went and went on and done done sort of rac- some record or I scored in eight consecutive games I think it was nine was going to be the record but I, I scored in eight but to go on and just have sort of a good season of being a striker was, was crazy Who was the main ma- main man in the dressing room then? Was Paul Hartman uh, No he, he wasn't there at the time he was there at Celtic at the time with me uh, he'd, he'd, he'd like to sort of maybe Gavin Ray sort of the older experience big Russell Anderson the older boys and then you had mad Josh McGuinness, he was just crazy all Josh time. McGuinness, yeah. was he? he's, he's going to be a madman, <laughs> isn't he? He's just hyper, he said he hates D and he just hates sleeping on his own. Uh, I remember in Chile... Uh, Same problem as Kate Brown. See when I go away with internationals, he always has to share a room and I'm the only person in the Northern Ireland squad who can tolerate him, who's the only guy who can sleep in a room with him. Well, he's sniffling, he's scratching, he's farting, he's doing, <laughs> doing all sorts, but he is obviously a really good friend and I love him the bits, but... Just hated sleeping on his own means. We went to Chile, it must have been four or five, maybe six years ago, and me and Sammy Klingon were always like sharing a room, and he, he obviously got a wee bit jealous, and he just got his mattress straight <laughs> into my room, three of us together, so, <laughs> and his room was free, so that was it. Brilliant. Uh, you scored Ronaldo's 100th cap for Portugal. What's uh, he like to, what was he like to play against? Amazing. Uh, it was just, it, I think the 100th cap, when we played in the 100th cap, uh, it was actually a come in. I scored two goals away to kill, kill, no, I think I scored one goal away to Kilmarnock. My form was good at the time. I scored like three and three and Michael uh, I actually remember that the start of that campaign, it was Russia away. And it it it's really hit me hard then because Northern Ireland named the, the team. I wasn't in in the squad, I wasn't named in the team, it was Russia away and I think Northern Ireland could be at the time and then had a few good games for Aberdeen, doing well, scoring goals. Michael called me in. I went in, I just went into the mindset, I'm going in to work hard, put my head down. We had a good training camp in Portugal. I must have went in and just impressed, and he just threw me in out of nowhere, just to play, starting. So I went from not being in the squad to, to making, to play against Ronaldo in his 100th cap, and then how he wanted me to play as a winger was just, like, obviously work hard, and just once we got the ball, just to counter-attack, and that's when Johnny Evans stepped in, got the ball, played the big laughs, and then laughs obviously played me in, and I scored against Portugal, that was my first goal, and I was... Wow, it's incredible. Was that the best feeling of your career? Scoring the Euros was my best feeling of my yeah. career, but to get my first international goal against Portugal on Ronaldo's <clears> 100th <throat> cap, the whole occasion was about Ronaldo, and then for obviously a wee local boy like me to obviously <laughs> take it away from him was, was sensational. Did you speak to Ronaldo during the game or after the game? No, but no, I think I've played against Ronaldo a couple of times. Uh, we played him in Belfast, and it just shows you how good he is. The first half, he just, he just wasn't involved. He didn't touch the ball, didn't do anything. He knocked Mike Davo at the time, which was incredible. But I remember second half, we were just playing, and he just scored a hat-trick out of nowhere, just, just like that. Right. But I think it was down to Big Laughs. Big Laughs came on as a sub, and he was told to mark Ronaldo, and straight away he scored. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he got sent off. Brilliant. Right, back to Aberdeen. Uh, Craig Brown, obviously, the assistant Archie Knox. How hard can Archie Knox be? Did they, did they used to... Somebody, Nicky Lowe, told me that they used to argue with each other in training or not? I, like, 
when I first came to Aberdeen, like we were training at the, the old cricket pitch, but Archie was proper old school. But I liked how he was because I remember even pre-season, like. I we had a game and we came in after the game, the boys had shard and stuff and I'm sitting beside him because we Cammy Smith at the time. I'm sitting, big Archie's forgot to put his trousers on. He's like, no, no. So Archie puts his socks on, he puts his shoes on and then he puts his trousers on last. Because <laughs> it was like Ric Flair ones he can get away with it. But to this day, he's, he's always put his trousers on last. <laughs> I'm thinking, this madman's forgot his what he call his trousers. Would, he go, would Archie go mad after games now? Huh? Yeah, he would, he would come in and he would flip. But Craig Brown was, would always probably take the, the back seat. He was more chilled and calm. But Archie would come in. But what I found about Archie, he, he was really good. He was tremendously good for Ryan Fraser. Uh, I get, he developed young players. Yeah, I get... I got injured and we ran Fraser came in for me to play and then ever since he obviously stayed in the team but he was good for me that season because he created me a lot of goals but every morning you come in you'd, you'd be sitting in the changing room you'd hear Raisy, Raisy and that's Archie Knox shouting so Raisy had to come out and he had to go make him like tea and toast every morning he had to do all sorts for him and that's why Archie was so good with the likes of Raisy and then obviously he went on to have a he's obviously having a great career now Fraser is similar to Forrest could you tell straight away? What's that? Is Fraser, Ryan Fraser is he similar to James Forrest you could tell straight away that he was going to be top you could tell like he was, he was just furry raw. He was a wee bit probably more more sturdier and stronger maybe at James at the time maybe and he just was just raw pace but you could tell that the, the lad was like a talented lad and he's obviously I think a lot of people thought uh, going to Bournemouth at the time I think he's he's maybe taking a step side road but I think Bournemouth are in League One at the time uh-huh. and everyone a lot of people probably said no nah, it's not a great move but it's obviously turned out to be a great move for him and it's one of those ones he, he He's probably had had a rough and tough. He, he had a few loan spells and he's obviously went on and done very well and he's obviously playing the Prem now. Right. Uh, did you ever get roasted off Archie Knox? No, I think... How come you always get away with it? Because I was the only one probably scoring goals. Goals, yeah. yeah and I was his neighbour. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was living alone and I always seen him and I think I always had that good relationship with Archie and Craig because I was always just constantly in their surroundings. I was always like just being myself but I was never... I don't think ever... I never probably got a roast him because... The team were probably doing so bad that season where I was probably doing so good because I won, won all sorts of awards that season and I scored 20 odd goals and that was probably why I probably didn't get the blunt of it. Did you ever hang about together the three years in a flat in it? <laughs> no, no, no. Tell Craig E. Brown didn't invite me to any of his probably parties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, after that first season, was there, was there clubs interested to take you away? There probably wasn't really much much talk, to be honest. There probably was maybe a few clubs sniffing, but it was one of those ones I just... I just had a great season, but probably because we finished so low down the league, probably maybe teams weren't maybe taking an interest. And I was up for player of the year that season. There was four of us up. I think Big Higdon won that year. And I think he had a mad night out. Oh, so he did that. He went to the jail, but so, anyone could have got it that night, and unfortunately, I didn't get it. Uh, were you sad to see Craig and Archie go then, or do you, do you think that was what, what was needed for the club? I think massively a bit of both. I think I was obviously sad because he brought me to the club and he was so good to me, and I was playing, I was enjoying my football, but. I knew sort of that the club sort of needed to, to obviously move another step forward and that's what obviously McKinnis came in he just came in grabbed the ball by the horns regarding training facilities everything everything sort of went up that notch even sort of every day of training it just was just sort of maybe more new he, he came in with new ideas him and Tony Dock and they were obviously good since since they came in they, they just came in and hit the ground running and just sort of probably made everything a lot better than what it was you obviously have Craig and Archie who are, who are great for for Aberdeen and great for me and they had their own ideas and then obviously the new manager had his own ideas I spoke to Mark Reynolds just said that he said Isa Isa see when I ask him for, for dirt on boys mate he can't wait to oh. tell you but he says you were tight you and Johnny Hayes are like brothers and ask him why jo- Johnny Hayes' oldest kid is your double <laughs> I, think, I think I was in 
I was always like his his missus was always good to me. I obviously was living on my what, own and what do you mean? Just cook me dinner oh, and right. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think us Reynolds gets a joke from me. Hinks like he just always liked Johnny. He just always thought the kid was mine because it was in his house that much. <laughs> How, did you? Well, he's ginger, so he's definitely not. <laughs> did you have to offer Johnny history then? Yeah, well, like, yeah, I always heard loads of stories about Johnny even before I met him, like how maybe Maddie was, he loved the night out around Inverness, and obviously his missus seemed to settle him down, or I think I settled him down. <laughs> but no, me and him, we sat together, it was Rooney, me, and Johnny, and the three of us always got on so well, and just, we, we obviously worked together on the pitch as well, I think just sort of having that Irish relationship straight away. It's been, at every club I've been at, it's just any Irish boys there at Brentford, it was Jonathan Douglas and... Dougie, what a man. Yeah, great guy, so he's he's obviously, he, he was great for me, I just, me and him just used to go over Starbucks every day and stuff, Now I always just, always, you always get that with clubs, you always just sort of socialise with the Irish, and then obviously get on with everyone else. What was that, what, what did Dale want from you, how did Dale change your game from Craig Brown? Is it Dale that wanted you to play wide? Yeah, Gaffer just wanted me to play wide. He, he just felt that obviously having Rooney there and obviously having other strikers at the time, and he just he just felt that having me wide one side and having Johnny on the other side could create problems and obviously score goals. And it worked out well. I I, I couldn't complain too much because I was still playing. I was still like scoring goals, creating goals, and I went on to score maybe. 78, 79 goals for Aberdeen and that's from playing obviously wide the majority of it which is good for me so I would challenge myself for like double figures every season and for him to come in and see me as a wide player was, was good for him in a sense because I always played wide before Craig Brown and he obviously maybe knew that from obviously playing for Northern Ireland etc etc because he was at St. Johnson the time I played for Celtic and obviously impressed always against St. Johnson and he obviously seen me as a wide player Did see when Dale came in at first did he say we need to get Aberdeen back up Competing with Celtic and Rangers. Yeah, no, nah, he just straight away he he wanted us competing for cup competitions. He he felt we always had the squad of players to do better than what we were showing, and he, he wanted us to push straight away with Celtic because Rangers weren't in the league at the time. Yeah. He, straight away, he just wanted us to push Celtic as, as far as we possibly could, and I felt that we did that at times. But obviously, as the season went on, they obviously Celtic just kept motoring away. And what did he bring in better players as well? Because obviously, he said you finished seventh and eighth the year before. Was it better players that came in? Who who came in and made the team better? I think we've always we've always had good players. It was one of those ones, probably maybe Archie and Craig were maybe a wee bit more old school. And Gaffer's brought in new ideas, brought in fresher players, brought in good signings. And he, he's always done that every season. He's always recruited a good four or five like top players. And we've always had that. Like we've always, when there's been players left, players have come in and done better or or done equally as good as the players that were, that were there. And that's always been the case since, since I've been there. So he's always recruited very well. And there's always been a, a good team. Team bonding with, with Aberdeen lads, definitely. Who, uh, who, who's impressed you the most that you've played with Aberdeen over the years? Uh, there's been a few. I think uh, Kenny McLean was, was top class. I always, was he? Yeah, was Kenny top class. He was good. I always enjoyed him because he was always a type of player that, for me, playing wide, he would always get on the half turn and just switch it. He would always like see you making runs in behind, getting on the ball. Kenny was always good. That you had Shinny, he was just a dog. He just got about everywhere and won the ball back for you. But I always... Like, I always I'm not just saying this because he's my mate at Aberdeen all the time, but Johnny, I just thought he was class. He was just so raw. He's just like an old school winger. Mm. He always got us up the pitch when we're maybe under a wee bit of cost. He, he obviously went on to, to get his move to Celtic as well. And Rooney was just in the six yard box. He was just probably the best I've played with, other than probably Gary Hooper. And what was it? Was that the, the aim? Just get the ball, get the ball in the box, and Rooney will stick his nut on it. It just, just, it just always worked well. He just came in, he hit the ground run, he, he scored a lot of goals. Uh, I remember there was a period like. Me, Johnny and Rooney always played together and we always won more games than we did and then we threw a wee sticky patch and I actually wasn't playing for a few weeks and I remember the manager just pulling us in. He said he pulled me, Johnny, Rooney in. He just says, look, things haven't been going well. You've worked in the past. You've, you've obviously got me good results. He says, look, I'm going to stick with you for the next four or five games. 
win win or lose, but we're we're going to stick together, and then we just started winning again. And that was it. Uh, you said as well, it's a great mm-hmm. great dressing room. Everyone I speak to that's played up there says it's a good dressing room. What is it that makes it so good? Is it just full of character? I think it's just good characters. What the manager brings in great characters. Whether it's boys come from England or boys come from 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 obviously the Scottish boys as well, it's always good good characters. You always have a good banter with. I think it's always the Scottish and the Irish, and you know sometimes the English get on well, but it's mainly the Scottish and the Irish always have a, a good connection. But you've always like Robbo and Barry Robson was a great character in the dressing room. He's just just a madman, and Willow Flood was was always good as well. But uh, having the Irish boys are a mixture with obviously the sort of the younger lads and obviously more more experienced lads. And then you've got the old heads like maybe Russell at the time, big Andy Considine and. We've had some good goalkeepers, Danny Ward and Joe Lewis and stuff as well, so it's been been great and who obviously big clangers as well. Who was Angry or Barry Robson or Willow Flood? That's not Anger both both as bad as each other, I think. Was it see at Aberdeen, Ryan Jack's obviously angry as well. Would it be a sort of club where you could fight each other in turn and then it's forgotten about and you got on with it again? Yeah, it was probably uh Jack was always that type of character, he was a bit fiery, but he was always a calm head as well and there was one period where I think there was a bit of a scuffle on the pitch where Jacko had a bit of a go at Willow, where Willow may have had a go at him and it carried on in the change room. <laughs> and who, who won? Nobody won. I was just broke up, so uh, I can't say a winner there. But I think if you're batting on somebody, I don't think I don't think Willow will back down. If Willow was getting battered, he'd still get up and keep uh, going. Too, but Jacko was a hard boy. And with Del, is Del, does he like that? Does he like the boys sorting problems out for themselves? I think so. It's always been that case. I think uh, definitely. I think. If boys are angry and the boys need to sort things out to do amongst themselves, but there's never ever been any like real sort of bad fallouts between manager players since since I've been there, and it's always been kept under wraps. That things things have always turned out good, and I think you need that now and again where players are having a having a tough goal each other, and it just makes it to be better sort of on the pitch that you get the positive results. Did you feel the team was good enough mm. to win Sunderland? Uh, I think I think I think the big turning point that season was, I think. Rogic scored a late equaliser at Kilmarnock I think the one only won one nil. I think maybe we dropped points at the same time but we were on their tails I think if we had won that game we would have went ahead of Celtic but Celtic scoring that late equaliser and then us obviously dropping points and I think that's when the gap sort of started opening up and opening up but I think we needed definitely to get in front of them to sort of have any chance but we definitely had the players to, to, to sort of mount a challenge but if I'm being realistic it's one of those ones that's it's always hard to compete, well, obviously financially, and obviously the caliber of players that they had. But we definitely felt that we had the players to, to obviously give them a good go. Yeah. So you thought you could win the league, huh? I thought we probably could have, to be honest. But as I said, it, it did get to a stage where obviously the gap was opening up, and then it got to a stage where we obviously probably didn't think it. But in house, we we had our own targets, and uh, to win the cups was was priority. But the league was just keep close to Celtic for as long as possible, and you never know. And unfortunately, we, we couldn't do it. Uh, how tough was the final against Inverness? It was a bad watch. Mate, what was that? <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> the best bit, I've heard interviews before, the best bit was the bus journey home. Uh, but I remember the start of the game, uh, I've started on the right and Johnny's came across and the balls went back from kickoff and then just big high balls went up and I'm thinking, no chance I'm going near this and Johnny being mad, mad Johnny, Johnny's went for it and he's went to header it and he's ended up racking his shoulder so he came off after like 10 seconds. So I was Johnny out, so sort of losing Johnny that early on probably had an effect on us as a team because Johnny was obviously a good athlete for us, playing against his old club Inverness, probably wanting to impress and, and he was a big miss for us. But in the game there wasn't really many opportunities, but we what do you call we we won the game and I was actually fifth penalty, we won on four penalties. I was just gonna so ask you that, how are you fifth? I was fifth, but thanks. Are you shouting it? <laughs> I was shouting it, but uh <laughs> on my recent performances, thank God I didn't take it because I've missed the last couple now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
What was uh, how was the celebrations right after the game? Was it Celtic Park, wasn't it? Yeah, the atmosphere was was incredible because Inverness didn't really have a big following. They had probably five thousand, but we had forty thousand wow. uh, fans in Celtic Park. But even the drive up to the game was just Aberdeen fans everywhere. It was crazy. And then come back to Aberdeen, the street in Aberdeen was I think there was eighty, ninety thousand people like that big Union Street was yeah. just covered in Aberdeen fans. But to see that and be here at a time where. Obviously, Aberdeen won a trophy. Was, oh, was is that when you see how big a club it is when you win something? Ah, oh, massively. I think you always know how big of a club it is, but when you see certain things and obviously seeing the everyone turn out and eighty thousand people in Union Street was, oh, was crazy. Were you all steaming on the bus? Oh, having a few drinks in the bus. We got to the big council building out onto the balcony and lifting the trophy up, and everyone was going mad. But it's just, it's just a wee bit surreal. I still have videos now of of the actual day, how how good it was, and you want more of that, and that's obviously. It's just been so unfortunate over the last number of years. Like we've got the semi-finals and finals constantly, but we just haven't managed to obviously get lift that other trophy that obviously the city and the team need. Uh-huh. See on celebrations uh, with the manager and Tony Dock, that would they come? Do they go with the boys together or not really? They no, they, they they would always be quite separate. Even come back in the bus. Don't get me wrong, we got involved come back in the bus. It was just karaoke, but. Barry Robson, he just had the microphone the whole time. He wouldn't give it to anyone else. He was <laughs> he just loves sick. Sundays on both, didn't he? <laughs> he loved Saturday night at the movies. He just kept getting Saturday night at the movies <laughs> on repeat. But no, it was a great night out. We go back to one of the hotels and then the old lads within the town, still with suits on, straight out. And no, what a what an unbelievable night. Was Robo big for the, the big time shots? Still don't know, he gives it the, his arguments all the time, just Champions League, he's like, whoops, this and whoops, that, and <laughs> just Champions League shouts all the time. Even today, I think the gaffer's son was up practicing free kicks, and he's like, ah, Sonny scored Ibrox against, I don't know who it was, he's like £9 million goalkeeper, he's like 89th minute winner. <laughs> yeah, he Ibrox, loves it, but, he but he was, he was so good, I, I love playing him, because he was always that, always that type of player, was good for me. He's quite similar to probably Kenny McLean, always going on the half turn, and just always try to find that specific pass and see when he didn't find the pass he was like oh so close so close but <laughs> <laughs> he smashed balls in his head no definitely no he would smash people but it was always them big scabby elbows elbows, uh, 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 elbows everywhere but I've, I've definitely had an elbow before but he always see the older he got and obviously we were a bit quicker see even towards the last couple of years the likes of myself see anytime we went to like skip bam and stuff elbows out but he, he knew himself he was getting a bit slower so the scabby elbows came out <laughs> what about uh, Dale does Dale join into he joins in in the boxes and stuff just, but he's, uh, he still has a bit. Is he decent? I, yeah, I played against him in the reserves, mate. He, was yeah, he still has a bit, him and Tony Dock join in, but nah, they always root themselves, but they still have a, a bit. But Galfer's obviously had problems with his knees over the years, which obviously he can't do too much, but regarding the boxes and stuff, yeah, he definitely. See, when bit. you're flying at Aberdeen, obviously finishing second, uh, was there a good social club? Who would be the ones that you'd go out with? Uh, no, nah, it was always uh, the boys. Boys would probably maybe, for winning games, your boys would maybe go out most weekends and stuff. I think. Uh, so with Johnny quite a lot, Rooney and stuff. Rooney, Rooney was always Rooney was some drinking. Eh? See Christmas Day, you just stay out in the one gear the full weekend. Like Rooney and Johnny, they, they would drink to like four and five mm-hmm. in the morning. Like sometimes you just go to bed at one night. But Rooney, like I, I used to share a room with Rooney as well. I always shared with Johnny, but at times I shared with Rooney. Like Rooney would always every Friday night before a game, he'd it was always part. Like the manager and stuff knew it, but he he would always get a wee Bailey's up the room and he'd he'd have a wee Bailey's before the game, and that was him. It was just always his strict routine. Was it? And eh? he, he just he just loved a wee drink, but it obviously didn't affect him. He's just probably yeah, he just liked doing that. No, uh, we're trying to get him on a dinner. It obviously worked. Gary Neville will let him. That's he won't level. No, Gary Neville will let him. Maybe just holding Neville down and get him on. Toys, boys. Uh, <laughs> uh, right, running Celtic close 2015-16. Uh, that's the year you ran them closest. Any, any regrets looking back on that year? Uh, I don't think there's any regrets because we we give a good account of ourselves. We're, we're a good team and we just give it. A, like our all and as I said earlier just got that stage where we just 
they just kept getting away and obviously once Celtic got their tails up and kept moving away and away that was it there was no catching them some people say like that year that he's lost games that he should have won against but, maybe the lesser teams would you agree with that? or is it tough when you've got such a small squad? I think it's a bit of a ring you get that all the time you See when you set out your standards or your your targets at the end of the season, you all think, oh, there's there's four or five games I think you can get maximum points from, but it never ever works out that way. Sometimes, more often than not, we are always beating the top teams and then maybe losing points against the the, the lower league teams in the, in the in the league, and that's that's what it's been for even probably this season as well. Like we went to somewhere in the season and lost, and it's just the way it's been, and it's just been been hard. Mm. Right, we're going to talk about Euro 2016, mate. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, qualified for the Euros is someone after. What is it about Michael O'Neill that works? So we've had him on here. Yeah. Top man, isn't he? He's just, he, he's very, he's been been brilliant to me. He's been, uh, it's just, his intention, the detail that he goes into regarding opposition and how he plays, like how he wants us to play as, as a team is, is second to none. And the confidence he gets throughout the squad. And I think him from being from back home, being, being obviously Irish and stuff and growing up from there and knowing how, I think we just have a good connection to players and, like we don't have a massive pool of players to choose from, but regarding the, the team cam- camaraderie, uh, the players that we have and the characters that we have, I think everyone just gels together so good. And obviously, that always results down in us going out and having a good confidence. And but Michael only Michael I think he only only won one game in his first eighteen games, so he had it tough at the, at the start. But once he sort of got his ideas across, and obviously he had a good crack at a at a Euros campaign, and that was the one we qualified from. It just it just went from strength to strength to strength. It was, it was incredible. He said about the good team spirit. Who's funny in the in the team? Lafferty. Big Lafferty's just daft as a brush. Uh, Big Josh is a good character, but everyone like, everyone's just sort of got their own personalities. You've got the, obviously the older experience one. You had Cusy, Big McCauley, Johnny Evans, but then the the mad dafty ones are obviously Big Laughs and Josh. What does Lafferty do? Just just stupid things. He was always late for meetings and stuff. And obviously, I think after a while, it obviously got on the managers. Nervous a wee bit, but just just daft stupid things. He's always he's always up to something. Like if you're sitting here like chilling, he, he would always be doing something just trying to be funny. But nice, nah, he's, he's he's a funny guy now. Because uh, Michael O'Neill seems to me like he doesn't take any shit. Eh? No, uh, Michael's always good regarding the sense of when it's down to work, it's work. When it's down to play time, it's it's obviously you have your own uh, your own ideas. Go out and have your nights out and stuff. But even even recently there. Uh, a couple of the last campaigns, like we 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 came came across and met up on a Sunday, and most probably international teams are meet up on a Sunday, go to bed, and then get ready for training the next day. Like you organise like a team gathering, team night out, few boys had a couple of drinks and stuff, and that sort of brings everyone oh, yeah. together and like makes you go on to have a sort of a successful week. And when we look back at the campaign, like we we were a very low pot team, but for us to go on and actually win the actual group that we were in was was incredible. And, I think it was hungry away. Our first game was hungry away, and it was actually worked out well for me. I was on the bench. I came on, but conceded straight away. So I thought, oh no! But we went up the pitch. I've scored, and then I've set up the winner. So we won away to hungry two one, and then that sort of gained momentum and started to gain confidence because I, I can't even remember the last time we won a game away from home, and it just went from strength to strength. Kept gaining confidence, and we ended up qualifying for the Euros. And what a celebration it was! Was it? Uh, where did you go in Northern Ireland? <laughs> can you just go out in Northern Ireland? Uh? Yeah, we can go out, but. Like obviously you get tortured by a lot of people because it's obviously Northern Ireland. Everyone sort of sort of knows you. Uh, obviously Northern Ireland fans, but we're always well looked after, and I think you always have that good relationship with the fans and the players. That it's more of a like a social thing that you, everyone gets on well. You have your laugh and joke and banter at the same time, and you obviously take your time out for pictures, autographs, whatever the play, players want. But team night out was incredible. Uh, after the Greece game, we went out and then we flew to Finland and played Finland away in the final group game. But the night out in Finland was probably the best. You'd, 
had Paddy McCord running about in the slips on. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone came back to the hotel and the whole hotel floor was just buzzing. The, like music was coming from all the rooms. You had Paddy dancing around in the slips on, the sluggies on. It was just a lot of sight. I had yeah, a video yeah. of that on the Snapchat. You probably did, yeah. So everyone was video. Was everyone know something Don't Sell McCord? That song? The Paddy McCord song went on for, I'm not joking, about two hours. Just Don't Sell McCord. He didn't even play this did he? <laughs> So if there's one man celebrated qualifying for the Euros, it's definitely Paddy. He he t- he definitely took it to the max. What a hero, <laughs> man! Uh, see, when you seen the the groups and the Euros, did Mike O'Neill get you together? Would he say we can qualify? It was good because second place could always qualify, and he he felt like probably Poland and Ukraine being realistic that we could get results, and uh, he always said it. I think against Poland, we probably felt a wee bit maybe afraid to maybe go out and express ourselves and not really give the performance that we're capable, even though. We end up losing one nil there. Obviously, could have scored maybe two or three, but he went like a back five that game. He went like three, three, five, two, whatever it was. And uh, I sort of like I was obviously disappointed in play as, as well as the other lads. I'm sure they were. But once we got back, got back on the training ground, he, he he changed things up and he was going like more of a four three three four five one formation. And I thought, yeah, I'll make it a chance here type thing. And he went. Uh, we just went at Ukraine from the start. Just got off them. Had. Uh, such such a good performance and then when he gave me the call to, to get on I, I was just buzzing just to be on the pitch like because uh-huh. I didn't play the first game I got on I'm at the Euros I, I want to like feel part of it I want to like get on the pitch but no nah, not in a million years did I think Josh McGuinness was everyone was shouting it was like 96 minutes like the latest goal in the Euros whatever and Josh went to the corner everyone was like keep in the corner and then he, be, he beat the fullback crossed it ball's coming to me I was thinking about shooting but I heard Stuart Dallas shouting over 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 and then I've, I've left it so he's had the shot and then I've just turned around and followed in and then it just fell for me and I thought, wow, I've just scored the Euros, it's incredible. There was a tear to my eye, definitely. What was it? Were you yeah. emotional after the game? No, straight away, once I scored, like I ran over towards the crowd and I came over and then everyone came towards me. Big Josh got me in the headlock and I was just a wee tear came to my eye and I just, oh, it was just an unreal moment. And Even looking back now and seeing all the videos, seeing the manager coming out and how emotional he was and I always remembered we'd done interviews before the Euros and stuff and... Uh, I was asked the question, oh, what's your favourite band? I said, Kings of Leon. And then it actually went on. I scored in Leon. I went on and actually made a big video about obviously me scoring in Leon. So I was like, King of Leon, if you know what I mean. Oh, who, who made that for you? BBC, just back home. It was oh, just a big, yeah. massive video. And then the Euros, you had cameras come from all angles. And just how all the angles came together with the goals and seeing the fans. It was just oh, it was nuts. See, when you won that game, what was your dressing room after? Oh, it was just huge celebration, but it was it's probably frustrating and annoying because you weren't really getting to enjoy it as much as you want because you just went back to your base camp and yeah. over there it was horrendous at the time, the security, like security guards were everywhere, even doing media days, you went in a, a police escort around our campus, police, police, police were everywhere. Even when Michael O'Neill wanted to go for a jog down the road, he had a jog with the boys with the guns and all. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. He just had to go with a jog with the security guys. It was just crazy. And I remember one of the days that... Boys wanted to like just get out of the base, go for a coffee or something, but you, you couldn't do that. So we went on the bus, a few security guys drove like drove for about an hour and a half just for a coffee in the middle of this village, way up high the mountain. And so pulled up in this village and you had a couple of wee like cafes and stuff and there's a wee like a wee bit of a tourist attraction. So security guys off, just redded the whole village just for us just to go just and to sit, go just coffee. go and have a coffee. Because there's all them bad like tourist attacks uh-huh. around France at the time and obviously just it was just a wee bit surreal, but now nah, what an unbelievable tournament to be involved in, especially in Northern Ireland. It was the first time in, what, 30-odd years I qualified for a major tournament. And to go there and be one of the, obviously, the guys that scored a goal, it's going to be, obviously, I've always said it, it'll probably never, ever sink in until maybe 50, 60 years down the line when you're maybe going to team gatherings or you're going to 
do questions and answers about uh-huh. the obviously the good times. Brilliant. Uh, how stressful was watching the Germany game? <sighs> Mickey McGovern was sensational that day. I think uh, I just uh, was obviously doing coming on scoring against Ukraine. I thought, yeah, I might 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 might, might, uh, I might come on here type thing. But see when you're not put, see when you've done that and you've not started. How, how yeah, it's, it's just it is it is frustrating. But obviously Michael had is obviously. Does he explain to you why you're not playing? Or is it just, just on with it? But the, uh, in saying that, I've come on scored a goal. But in the main, the team has done well. So he's going to maybe keep the same team, which he, I think he did do. Uh, but I probably would have liked a wee bit longer. And I think it was five minutes I got at the time, but. Now the Germany game, it could have been maybe six or seven only for Mickey McGovern. But for me, scoring that maybe that second goal that helped obviously the goal difference to make us qualify. And thankfully we did. And thankfully the Germany game was only one 0 because it could have been a it might not worked out for us. Uh, Michael McGovern, what a man! Yeah, he's a great guy. He made his debut at the weekend. Is I know, I've seen that. I, was, I was delighted for him. I messaged him, but uh, now nah, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in football is Mickey. Oh, he loves getting <laughs> balls off his face. Don't he take that anyway you want? Um, some, some size of you came over, So you came over. <laughs> so you came over five minutes to go. I only came on with five minutes was to it, go. What, what's the instructions for Michael O'Neill when you're going to just run a bit? It's just go on and like it's just try and keep things tight. He's probably bringing me on the more or less like we're winning or we're getting beat one 0 so it's, he's probably hoping keep it tight and then maybe get like a counter tackle. Yeah. But that was never the case. The Germans just kept the ball for fun. How and good are they top teams like your Germany's and Germany then were 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 unbelievable. I think it was just coming off being the back of the world champions at the time and they were just they were just sensational how they moved the ball. But to have the opportunity to play like in these stadiums, Leon, it was like PSG just to play in these stadiums was, it was just surreal and the Northern Ireland fans at the time they were just wow they, they, they just brought like an unbelievable atmosphere to the whole tournament and the final whistle goes mayhem we we didn't know we qualified straight away we we, we had the game played against Germany back in the bus like there was nothing confirmed uh, it was we actually when we got to the airport we got on there the wee coach that brings us straight out on the plane and then that's when obviously the news came through that we qualified and then we're just standing, like everyone was just standing on the wee coach that takes you from the terminal to the bus, and then the bus just starts coming back. <laughs> so, because everyone was talking about it and stuff, and then it just came through, qualified, and then everyone was buzzing back to camp again. Does Michael O'Neill give a speech on the plane in that? Or? No, he's just like, it was on the bus, just just celebration, just on the bus, and then back to camp, because I had to prepare for, for obviously Wales then. <laughs> uh, Joe Ledley told us Wales were all the drink at their camp. <laughs> Is it the same with you? It was, we had, uh, we had a couple of days where you could just bring family and friends up, up until. Like for a few hours or whatever, uh, and uh, I think I think around the time I think the Wales squad there that they're like a maybe a bomb hoax or something at the time. I think I think okay. I can't remember what it was, but I think they had maybe a bomb hoax at the time, or obviously a lot of them pooped their drawers. But we uh, <laughs> what do you call it? Uh, it was towards the last few nights that when we obviously we were over and when you were going home. But after a few of the games, when we had maybe a bit more time to recover and stuff, there was a few drinks and stuff. It was never ever nothing too too crazy, but. When, once when you were going home we actually got a night, night out in Paris so enjoyed that one. Oh, did you? Yeah, Where did we, you go? I can't remember the place it was just a load of us went out and just the, the drink was flowing it was just a Will Gregg song the whole time what was all that, the eh? time just Will Gregg well, the, boys, the boys sing the Will Gregg song as well? Just, the players always sang the songs that always, obviously all the, the fans were singing it was great but I felt a wee bit sorry for him because the never whole, played, the whole term was just song after song about him <laughs> he never kicked the ball <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible uh, On the Wales game how do you look back on it? She's uh, a better team after, eh? I felt, and obviously we felt as a team, we, that was probably our best performance in, in the campaign. I think we, we played well, because we, we actually played Wales in the build-up too, before the Euros in a friendly, and we'd done quite well against them. And We felt on that game we were probably the better team, but just didn't get get the goal. And for us to concede that, like an OG, a big G, and obviously Garth Bale put in an unbelievable ball, was just frustrating, because we kept Ramsey quiet, uh, Joe Allen, and 
Josh Bale quiet and we just felt that we're we're getting on top of them but we just couldn't get that goal. Uh, was that was that the game plan to stop Ramsey and Bill? It was just to sort of yeah get on them and it obviously it, it obviously worked for us and if you're obviously keeping the, the main boys quiet then you're always in my chance of winning. Uh, just finally uh, was that tournament the best experience here career? Yeah, with, without a shadow of a doubt. I think looking back, I think if I didn't score and I played the minutes that I played, I probably I would have been hugely disappointed. But considering I scored the Euros, whether I played one minute or played four ninety minutes, it was just oh, it was the icing on the cake for me to, to score the major tournament. And I just had, had had good vibes going to the game against Ukraine because I knew with, with him changing the formation and me being a winger, I'd have the opportunity to come on and. I was shooting into the goal before the game. I had a good feeling, and then once he he brought me on to go on a score was nuts. Brilliant. Uh, you spent another year at Aberdeen and then South Korea came of it. How were you? How were you initially approached that side? Jerry Carlisle, dodgy deal. Awesome backhander, maybe I think. <laughs> uh, it was a wee bit strange. I had this South Korean random agent got in touch with me, but I I thought it was a bit of a like a joke. I was I was out of contract. I was I was speaking to a few clubs. I was quite close to signing for Bolton at the time because I was speaking to Lanny and, and whatnot and. Uh, but before and then he obviously left and then Phil Parkinson he actually tried to sign me before I signed for Aberdeen he tried to sign me for Bradford, Bradford right? I actually flew to Bradford and met Bradford and Phil Parkinson was manager at Bolton at the time but they were having issues ongoing issues with obviously certain, signing players and different things so I was never going to sort of materialise and then uh, this random agent got in touch with me I passed him on to my agent I just said look speak to my agent type thing but then uh, him and the president of the club who was Keyson Young's dad was it? I played was at Celtic, yeah. And it was it Key Sung Young that recommended you, Jim? Yeah, he 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 obviously. He's a good player. Yeah, he was he was technically unbelievable. So I actually met him over in Korea and stuff as well. But no, what a guy! And his dad was the president of the club. But his dad and the agent flew from South Korea the whole way to Belfast, stayed in Belfast for about two three nights. It must have first class, staying in the high end like hotels. Must have spent like thousands of pounds just to come over and meet me. And for them to do that, that that felt like special for me because uh-huh. I felt like. This is like, you know, sometimes maybe like a team want to sign and maybe don't show you as much interest, but for them two to fly from South Korea to, over to Belfast to see me, spend two days with me, get to know me as a character and obviously Key, Key spoke highly of me and obviously uh, things progressed then. They went back about a week later I flew over and I signed and that was it. I just thought, why not? I had no ties at the time and all my family's obviously back home, didn't family here or anything. I thought, something new, why not just go and try it out and... How was it? Any crazy experiences over there? Uh, see, see when Majin left me, uh, when Majin came over to m- with me when I signed, but see when he left me, my stomach just sank. I thought, mm-hmm. like, I'm in the middle of like, South Korea here, I know nobody, I know nothing, like, what am I doing type thing. My stomach did sink, but I think uh, regarding like football experience, everything was was great. I had my own English interpreter, he, like, he was my best mate, he'd done everything for me, like, bills to pay order and stuff I live like three hours south of Seoul so the further you went down obviously the more less speaking English people but I was carrying like a bit of problem with my hernia and stuff at the time I, I ended up getting like a double hernia up after I came back from South Korea before I signed back from Aberdeen so I was struggling with that they were like midway through their season even like the humidity and stuff of the games was was quite hard but regarding sort of the whole experience it was something I'm glad I went and did because it's probably something I'll never ever get because to do ever again <laughs> no, not the tax man came and generated. <laughs> so I had it after I was there for maybe a couple of years, yeah. But the tax man came calling and generating that wasn't nice. Was the standard good or was it? No, standard was. I was really impressed to be honest. That with South Koreans, they just they're so they work so hard. They're up every morning at seven o'clock. They're going for their walks together. They do everything together. Eat together. 
sleep forever together but uh, up every morning 7 o'clock they're just so uh, dedicated like 4 or 5 of the lads were, were playing for the South Korean national team like in the league but the league brought in like a lot of Brazilians and we were at, like bottom when I signed lost the manager after like 2 months a new manager came in he was a wee, wee bit more old school but I got on really well with the, the older manager and he was always quite good to me he says look I'm finding it hard to play but I feel like we're just needing to defend games. We, we can't attack because we're struggling. We're bottom of the league and like teams are just beating us all the time. And he said, "Look, if you're a bigger and better team, you would probably play a week in week out." But it's just hard here with the way I'm playing formation wise. But he was he was truthful and honest to me. And but I always felt my time in Korea always had a an uh, an impact on my international stuff. Whereas my international stuff always probably had an impact on my South Korea stuff because I was only there for five six months. But I was constantly coming home for international games. I mightn't been playing as much and I wasn't going to play for Northern Ireland and then when I came back I was jet lagged and then usually yeah. missed the next game and then it all sort of had a, a benefit on each other the, tr- the travel was, was was tough but regarding experience good experience but uh, no I've, I've no regrets and I came back and it probably going to Korea probably helped me have more options when I came back because I spoke to Hearts I spoke to Hebs I had good clubs there one to sign me and then obviously it was a no brainer to come back to Aberdeen uh, Did you have an interpreter? Yeah yeah, he's my best mate. So did you just hang about your interpreter? Done, done everything, but he's he's actually went on to have a good job. He ended up getting a job with the South Korean national team. So Tim, his name was, but I don't know actually what his real name was. He actually came... His real name? Was it not Tim? No, it, it, like obviously Korean names had like three, oh, three yeah, names. So, so you just called him Tim. Yeah, so it was funny. It was just being being over in our countries for banter-wise, like a lot of boys can't speak English, so you're always like saying bad words there, trying to teach me bad words, and then I was obviously teaching them things, and they were, they were all like randomly just come out, it was like Cookie Mizuno, it's like he, he only knew bad words, he, he was mad, he used to come in with just his moustache half shaved and stuff, <laughs> just a wee Japanese boy, just running about, half shaved his moustache, and oh, he was mad too. I but. remember wee Paul Cadis used to get him to go and say <laughs> terrible things to Danny yeah, McGrain. Yeah, he was just funny, because he didn't, he thought he was probably being kind, but he was just saying bad words, Danny McGrain didn't know what day that we could Oh, that's tremendous. Uh, so you said, options you had, so Ob- was it did Lenny phone you? Yeah, I spoke to, I spoke to Hibs, I went to, Hibs were playing, I think Salik at the time, I went to the Hibs game, and I went in the office and then I went the next day I went up to the training ground and met Lenny and first thing Lenny said to me he said fair play to you fair play to you like for going to Korea and stuff he's, he's like I wish I, I, I would have done something like that and that was good for me straight away and Hibs are obviously a great club and Hearts are a good club I'd, I'd Austin McPhee who's obviously assistant at Northern Ireland always shown a, a keen interest in me but obviously when I spoke to Aberdeen and I ended up signing like a longer term like three and a half year contract that I knew what I was coming back to when I was here I was always renting so I came back Building a new training ground, I knew I knew we were playing best football. Always had a good relationship with the fans. End up buying a house here, and now now things have worked out well, so I can't complain. Uh, and I think even coming back here and obviously getting back to Scotland, that definitely enhanced my my, my international career back on track again. So is Aberdeen like home for you now? You think you'll end up living here? It is. I'm a proper chick there now, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I've started my coaching badges, so I'm in the process of doing that. So I feel like. I feel like because I've been here that long, I've built up a good relationship with the manager, built up a good relationship with people in the club, so I'll probably look to get into that maybe sooner rather than later with having a new training ground and maybe start coaching the younger ones and then obviously come the end of my contract, if it's in Aberdeen, who, who knows what, what sort of job opportunities might arise for me. And obviously we stick his spell just now for, for the club in Dell. Fans are on his back quite a bit, but he's the, he's the man to take Aberdeen forward. Yeah, massively. He's shown it in the past. We've, we've always had we, we maybe tricky patches. We've uh, we've always renowned ourselves on if you lose a game, you just look forward to get back out it, look forward to the next game and, and go out again. It's always been the case, but you get it's, it's a tough time at the moment regarding injuries because of, of obviously the, the core of the team. You've got Big McKenna, 
and then you've got the centre midfielders, Leeson, Bryson, Ojo, and uh, now I've just got sort of key players who, who are missing at the moment, but uh, when everyone comes together, we'll obviously sort of get momentum again, I think we'll, it's one of those ones, we haven't been playing great, but we're still like two points off third, if you know Tell what I mean, so hurt. once we start obviously playing great, playing week in, week out, it'll probably obviously, the league will take care of itself, but obviously hugely disappointing to get knocked out of the cup, but we've got another cup competition to, to obviously, to, is that to in, is that in the Sheffield? Yeah, I think it has to be, Hank, if we're being realistic. Obviously, Rangers are, are brilliant, been brilliant this season. Celtic are obviously have kicked on again and obviously have been brilliant as well. So I think Rangers and Celtic are just going to battle it out. But regarding us, we've just got to manage ourselves and just obviously push for that third place and just pick as many points up as possible. But we've definitely got to give the, obviously the Scottish Cup a go as well. And then finally, you mentioned it, but after football, would you be a manager? I think uh, regarding coaching or managing, I think I've always been probably the laid back type of character. I'd, I'd probably love to be a manager. I think uh, coaching, I would enjoy. I would enjoy doing that. But I think later down the line, I'd, I'd definitely like to become a manager. We Johnny Hayes has started his coaching badges, so he can be Tony Dafferty and I can be McKenna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and finally, where are me, you and Craig Brown going tonight? Up to you. Let Craig Brown do the shout, but I don't know if he can handle maybe me and you. Maybe <laughs> the two or three in the morning. No, but... we can't handle it. Right now, I'll talk my thanks. Man, thank you. Cheers. It's the new football season, and now TV's hit the back of the net. Oh, it's a stunner! As you can get the Sky Sports and Sports Extra Passes half price for three months. Now that's more like it! So, you can stream Sky Sports, Premier Sports, and BT Sport at 50% off, and all without a contract. It's perfect! That is world class. Your sport on your terms. Search Now TV Sports to find out more. 18 plus content streamed via internet. Standard pricing after three months. Further terms apply. You know that feeling you get when you sense a team's winning streak is about to end? Or when you know the pundits are getting it all wrong? That feeling? That's me. I'm your hunch. I was there back in Istanbul when you just knew the comeback was on. I'm the guy that tells you when the odds don't look so odd. I'm your hunch. It's time to start listening. Heed your hunch with Betway. Download the app to find out more about Betway's Bet Club. Full terms apply. 18 plus, dunlouis.net. Bet the responsible way. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.